What are kids really thinking and feeling? Sometimes it's hard to know. The thousands of letters and emails kids send to Highlights Magazine every year help us keep our finger on the pulse of kids. We think they can also help you. So each week on this podcast, we share a few of the messages we've received from kids and we discuss them with an expert. Lean in and listen to learn what kids want their grown-ups to know about being a kid today. I'm Christine French-Cully, and you're listening to Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights, I have a problem with controlling my temper. I up at night, and I miss my highlights. I get keys. I want your highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Recently, a few of us were sifting through the many letters kids have sent to Highlights over the last five or six decades. These letters are housed in a special collection at The Ohio State University, and we were looking to select the ones we wanted to include in our book, Dear Highlights, which was the inspiration for this podcast. My team and I were struck, each of us independently, by just how many letters we found written by children who wanted a different, better relationship with their father. A child named PJ wrote, Dear Highlights, my dad works all the time and I miss him. A child we'll call Joshua wrote this, Dear Highlights, my dad never wants to do anything fun with me anymore. After dinner, he just sits at his computer and reads the news. Audra, writing about her disappointment that her dad was never home for her birthday, said, Every year he has a trip. Next year he's going to Paris. Any suggestions for me, she asked us. Today, our topic is fathers and their influence on children. And my guest is John Bedalament, a recognized leader in the field of fatherhood. He is the author of the book, The Modern Dad's Dilemma, How to Stay Connected with Your Kids in a Rapidly Changing World, and director and producer of the PBS documentary, All Men Are Sons, exploring the legacy of fatherhood. Over the past two decades, John has spoken and consulted internationally in schools, government agencies, nonprofit and private sector organizations. Most recently, he served as the Director of Programs for The Fatherhood Project, a nonprofit fatherhood organization in the Department of Psychiatry at the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Currently, John is the Director of Training and Education at Fathering Together, a nonprofit that supports individuals who identify as dads and who want to be better parents. He holds a master's degree in education from Harvard, and he is, of course, a son and also the proud father of two teenagers. John, thanks for coming on our podcast. Thanks for having me, Christine. The letters I shared are just a few of many we've received from kids who lament the lack of attention or encouragement or engagement from their fathers. Some of the kids who write have fathers who are actually absent from the home, traveling often for work like Audra's father, or living elsewhere due to separation or divorce or even military service. And it's easy to see why those kids feel the absence of fathers in their lives. But as we heard, some kids say that although their fathers are physically present, they seem distant, distracted, or inattentive. Now, we rarely have enough context to fully understand any individual child's situation, but I believe that when kids find the courage to share their pain with us, there's something real behind it. I also believe that most of these fathers are well-intentioned, love their children, and just might be surprised to know that their kids crave more positive interactions with them. So, John, is the stronger father-child connection something that's just nice for kids to have, kind of like icing on a cake, 
Or is the father's influence on their children's development so great that fathers should make strong emotional engagement with their kids a priority? Uh, I mean, that's a great question. And and the letters, you know, the letters are, are uh, a little heartbreaking, right? They're they're kids that are asking for, for more from their fathers. I think you're right that, that it's important that, that dads hear these, if, if they hear kids' perspectives, um, especially in cases where the kids are feeling like they want more. But the, the, to answer your question, yes, uh, this is not just icing on the cake. To have an engaged, involved father or father figure in in your life as a child uh, is is critical and is a is it's not just. Um, something that's nice or can, can, you know, add a little more to the picture. It's, it's really essential that, that kids have, um, you know, men who play a role in their lives and it starts prenatally. What are some specific ways that fathers influence kids' development? And we're talking today mostly about kids six to 12. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of say, uh, school, um, looking at the the impact, so their the father's presence during childhood, we see that kids who have that that father that's involved early, that is is, and when I say involved and, and engaged, that means spending time is there physically present, but also emotionally present, um, instead of what I call TPFA, technically present, functionally absent, like the. The child, the letter where the, the kid said that their dad comes in and sits in front of the computer, that's that's functional absence. So so kids who have a dad that's involved early on, they tend to have fewer be or they do have fewer behavior problems, fewer um, issues with the law, um, subsequently less financial vulnerability later in life, better cognitive development, better school performance. Um, and, and actually one interesting study, uh, found less stress during adulthood. So these are, this is just like a, the big picture, uh, a meta study, if, if you will, which is a study of studies, uh, longitudinally look at the impact of, of dad's presence. And it's just, it's the research is overwhelming. It's, it's, I like to think of it as we're, we're no longer, we no longer look at fatherhood. The research used to focus on fatherhood absence. And the impact of, um, you know, the the deadbeat dad, so to speak, the impact of um, of fatherlessness, which is uh, ironically is still a huge problem, bigger than ever. At the same time, we also have dads more engaged, more involved in kids' lives than ever before. So, so that's sort of the, the place we are now. But what what we we now look at, you know, in the last. 15, 20, 25 years, the research has really shifted, and especially over the last 10 years, to the impact of father's presence, the impact yeah. that dads have in present ways. And, you know, frankly, that, that the, that's turned everything to, you know, from looking at, it's no longer a question of, you know, should we engage the dad? Should the dad be involved? It's how are we going to involve the dad? Because we know that dad, dads have impact, one whether you like it or not, positive or negative, uh, but th- they do matter. And we, we do have very concrete, there's a whole body of research that cuts across many fields 
um, psychology, sociology, education, neuroscience, uh, and on and on that says dads matter. So the question for educators, the question for, you know, healthcare, all these institutions, uh, the question is, how are we, you know, engaging dads? How are we working with the fathers? Not whether or not. It's it's not a secondary thing. Yeah. You wrote a book, The Modern Dad's Dilemma, How to Stay Connected with Your Kids in a Rapidly Changing World. And it sounds like... Um, our definition of what a what it means to be a good father has changed as the world has changed. We have higher expectations. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I think as you know, speaking broadly and generally, it, it would be hard to uh, to deny that that something has has shifted, and that you know the fatherhood, um, engaged fatherhood, is. It, it, you know, it's in every area. So things have changed radically. When I first started going to schools talking about the importance of fathers, um, you know, in early 2000s, um, oftentimes schools would say, oh, well, you know, we don't want to have a speaker or a workshop on or for dads because dads don't show up. And that, and that was sort of, that was my point was like, they will show up, but you got to offer something that that, that appears relevant because uh, too often it, the word parent is unfortunately still gets associated with mom. And there's lots of reasons for that. Um, but uh, the difference now from when I first started going to schools and there were dads did show up, but, but, it, you know, definitely fewer. Whereas today, you know, doing a workshop or a presentation, even on, on zoom um, at an elementary school level. And, you know, they're just, the, the dads show up because they're eager, because they're, they want information, they want to be involved. And there's lots of big, I think, reasons for that, societal changes. But by and large, the, the interest of dads in engaging in their kids' lives is just, it has skyrocketed. Well, that's really good news. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how we were parented often has a big impact on how we parent our own children. So a father might struggle to be emotionally engaged with his children if his own father was distant or emotionally unavailable. Um, do you see this a lot? And, and what advice do you have for these dads? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm Generation X, I'm 52. And, and uh, yeah, I grew up with uh, uh, my parents divorced when I was three. And in the 70s, I, my mom was, for most of it, was a single mom. And, um, and I saw my dad infrequently, he was alcoholic, he had all kinds of issues that were, that prevented him from being as involved and engaged as he could have been. And then over the years that became really, um, affected my life. And I started to see, you know, very clearly how I wanted to do things differently. My mom got remarried and had a baby when I was 11, my little brother, it was actually my little brother that got me interested in all this work because at 11 years old, I was helping out with his care and I would, you know, I learned to change diapers and all that stuff. But the, the point being that with, without my dad in the picture, and I was fortunate to have a stepfather come into my life, but that, that sense of, you know, how am I going to do it? On the one hand, I think ha having that experience of absence um, whether physical and or emotional, 
it, it motivated me to say, I'm going to do, I want to do differently. And I hear that from a lot of dads. I'm going to just do the, you know, I'm going to quote, do the opposite, which is great. And I think what's important and for, for lots of different reasons, I personally ended up doing, cause I mainly because I got in trouble in school and I had all this kind of, you know, uh, anger and upset and hurt that was unexpressed. And I, you know, it came out and uh, sort of, uh, it came out in, in adolescent behavior that was pretty high risk, drinking, delinquency, et cetera. And so I like to think of the, it's one thing to say, I'm going to do differently than my father. It's an, it's the, the important part of that is, do you work through in some capacity, whether it's through some, some guys will do it through therapy. It could be through religious group, church, uh, synagogue, um, it could be a mosque, whatever religion often plays a role, uh, friends, whatever the format, uh, it is critical that I think that guys work through those, those past pain points. And again, there's no real manual for this, but I think I, I like to think of it as you got to sort through your, the legacy of your father, you got to look at the gifts and the liabilities, you know, what gifts did he give you for some guys that can be really hard to figure out what a gift was, but I often say, well, minimally you're here, right? He, he did give you the gift of life. And there's often, if you can really take a step back and look, guys will find some, some positive things, but oftentimes the guys focus on the, the, the liabilities, the, the things, the, the mistakes he made, the ways he wasn't there. And that's important too, to look at those and say, all right, my dad was alcoholic. I have to really watch out for addictions and it might not be alcohol addictions can dress up differently you know across generations it might be workaholism so so having some awareness uh, comes from sorting through that legacy and saying hey this is what he did well this is what he didn't do well and this is how i'm going to do differently that's about being conscious and and making changes it doesn't often happen that easily to just say oh i'm going to do the opposite some guys can do it but I find that's that's where it's important for to get some support and and remembering too that our kids are going to do the same thing. So you know, as you sort through your your father's legacy, your mother's legacy, remember to have a little compassion. In in you know, our kids are going to hold us at arm's length at some point and look at us and say, "Geez, what did this guy do well? What did he screw up?" And I'm sure you and I. <laughs> You and I could already name a few of those things for for ourselves in terms of what they what they might say. So I I think it's important for guys that didn't grow up with, which is a lot of us at this, you know, in this generation, even the next generation behind us. A lot of us did grow up without, you know, the kind of engagement we want with our kids or the kind of emotional connection we want with our kids. So make that, you know, use that to your to, to your advantage to to leave a better legacy. Yeah, I love that. It's not an excuse and you can be intentional about doing better. So for fathers who really want to be intentional about um, playing a bigger role in the lives of their children, um, let's talk about some of the things they might do. So I, I know that you are a proponent of fathers using fun to strengthen a connection with young children. Can you talk about that a little bit? What are some specific things, some of the ways fathers might think about fun yeah, I mean, I look at it. Yeah, fun is is you know that's that tends to be, and I, I'm generalizing, sort of stereotyping, but there is some research to to support the idea that dads do 
um, you know, play rough and tumble. And I'm not so sure how much of that is, is uh, biological versus how much of that's cultural, but, but it tends to be a role that, you know, dads do well. And I think, um, or can do well, I should say. So I think fun and, and play, uh, and, and moms, you know, I know plenty of moms that are, are amazing at, at the same thing. So, the idea that only dads can can do the rough and tumble play with kids is is kind of uh, not not true or a little antiquated. But the, using that sort of natural proclivity to to get on the floor to to you know play games to do make you know make believe all that stuff. I think dads need to look at this as such an one. It's an opportunity to kind of be to get in touch with that the freedom of childhood. That sort of you know. Uh, uh, and let, let, when you have younger kids to let off all the stress and of, you know, or just day-to-day adult living and, and get engaged in your child's world. I think that's most important when we talk about play. It's really about focusing on what the child's interest, especially when they're younger, but I think it, it holds true all the way. You know, I have two teenagers and if, you know, if I'm trying to introduce things that are, you know, just interesting to me, uh, I'm going to probably end up spending time more, more time alone, uh, versus, you know, getting involved and trying to find common ground with what they're interested in. So I think that can start and should start very young, which is to say, and is, is to follow your kid's lead. And even if you're not interested or you don't like the music they're listening to, or you don't like the, 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 the toys they're playing with, like, get over it and get interested fake it till you make it as they fake say. it till you make it i was just going yeah. to say that right? yeah. because yeah. It, here's the thing it's not about you really it's about your kid what kids need from an early age and what they crave and your letters all pointed this out they crave presence they crave attention and when they're little especially you know zero through eight through ten even you know, before they eight, 10, you know, as they as they become more independent and interested in the outer world and their peers, et cetera, um, they're always and there's research to support this. They're, they're always looking at what what you're doing as a dad and who you are, what your relationship is to them, you know. And so the, the younger ages, it's it's just a, you have such a huge opportunity because you're in many ways you're idealized in your kids eyes and they'll. And I'm speaking generally, but they really just want you to be interested in them. So, and there's a, there's a term that is, is important for, um, for dads to know, for all parents to know, is around brain science is a very simple concept and a good way to, to think about play uh, or interactions in general with your kids called serve and return, right? And, and the, the concept is you serve you know, your child's like tennis or ping pong, your, your child serves up their, you know, a game they want to play or they're playing with a toy and they, they want you to play. That's a serve. Your job as a, as a parent is to return that with your interest, right? And you might also make a serve, which is, hey, let's look at this over here. And the child follows you. But by and large, the younger the child, the more you want to follow their lead and get into their world. Because it doesn't matter what you're doing so much. It matters that you are interested in them. And 
the direct translation is when you play with your child, when you get down on the floor, when you engage in their world, that translates to dad think dad thinks I'm important. Dad thinks what I have to say and and what I'm doing is important. I feel good about myself. I must be important. That give and take, that back and forth is critical. And and you know, it doesn't mean you have to do it all day long. It doesn't mean you even have to live in the same house. It's about the quality of your interaction and really getting into their world, which requires listening. It requires getting off your phone. It requires, you know, or doing activities together. I feel like it's not that difficult to make yourself important to your child, especially when we're talking about the elementary school years. After this short break, we'll continue this conversation. If you like what you're hearing and want to know more about what kids think and feel, we have good news. This podcast is based on a soon-to-be-published book titled Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids. It's publishing in August and available for pre-order now, wherever you buy your books. In your book, you refer to the elephant in the living room of child development. Uh, which is a wonderful phrase, and I've been thinking a lot about that. Can you tell us what you mean by that phrase? Yeah, I mean, the the elephant in the living room of... What is it? (laughs) It's it's kind of a funny phrase now that I think of it. The the living room of child development, wherever that is. Well, what it is, is it's the missing stories of men's lives, particularly men's emotional lives. And, you know, when I started doing this work... um, early in my careers in the 90s, I really started it by looking at, I wanted to look at how we define manhood and what it means to be a man. And I, I always felt like that was the, the, the sort of box, it was the box of manhood, the, the ways you're supposed to be, the, you know, the tough, strong, silent, all the stereotypical um, quote unquote masculine traits, which are actually not masculine, they're just human traits. I always felt like the definitions we had of what manhood was were limited. And um, which is to say that being strong, being courageous, you know, being um, uh, loyal, being a stand-up guy, that's all really important. And I, I don't, so this is not about discounting those those traits, but it's, a, it's also to say, there's also other traits that are, you know, thought of as unfortunately, in, in the world of masculinity, thought of as, as either feminine or as gay, and, and typically, dis, you know, disparaged because of that. That's the, the two forces of homophobia and misogyny, sort of keeping men, policing men to stay, boys and men to stay in this kind of stereotypical role. And I always felt like, yeah, that's all well and good to, ha- to be strong and tough. That's, that has a place. But I'm also somebody who's, you know, caring. I, I've, I, you know, being, being uh, uh, emotionally expressive, um, being sensitive, all these qualities that are too often thought of as not ma- masculine. Uh, I always felt like that we just need to, we need to broaden that definition of manhood. And the way that I decided to do that was through fatherhood, because I, I saw how powerful men's relationships with their own fathers were and, you know, becoming fathers themselves 
um, how different are, you know, men want today, men want to be with their kids. So I think what's, what's, when I say the missing stories of men's lives, what I mean, a lot of what I'm talking about is the idea that we can be strong and sensitive. The idea that being a loving, caring, nurturing father, that's part of manhood, a nurturing, whether you're a father or a father figure or a mentor, um, that those qualities are, are so important. And that the way that I think men today can change is through fatherhood. And that is to, to say, hey, I care about my kids. I need to, a, a lot of what needs to happen, I think, is we have to raise the verbal bar. We have to, you know, express what's going on inside of us. We have to share our stories. We have to learn to embrace what, you know, Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's great. I think vulnerability is critical to building close relationships. How do you get close to anyone if you can't, you know, share what's going on with you and how you're experiencing the world or take in what they have to say? And for men, I think I like to use the term emotional, uh, emotional courage, because I think it really does take courage to, to, you know, express how you feel, to, to take in how somebody else is feeling. It's an act of courage, you know, and I think of like, or I ask guys often, like how, how many of you have had a heart-to-heart -heart talk with somebody, a, a spouse, a family member, a friend? Everybody's had pretty much had a heart-to-heart. -heart. And they'll say, how, how easy was that? Well, was it easy? No, nobody, you know, having a heart-to-heart -heart is by definition difficult because you're opening up your heart. Well, so if it's not easy and it's difficult, then why, and it takes courage to do that. It takes strength to do that. That's how we need to think about uh, uh, manhood and this idea of vulnerability. It is important to open up and it's an act of courage to do so. And if we want our kids to feel connected to us, then we have to do that. We have to be able to talk about what's going on inside. And we got to get away from this idea that all emotions for men, whenever you hear emotions and men in the same sentence, the next word is often what? Tears, crying. Like for something that's sort of the go-to of like men need to be emotional. That doesn't mean we, there's more emotions than crying, right? There's worry, there's stress, there's concern, there's fear, sadness, you know, joy. There's all kinds of emotions. We got to get away from this idea that to be emotional, you have to cry. I'm not saying, you know, tears have their place and that's important, but there's a whole range of emotions that are critical for us to be able to express and be able to listen to and acknowledge in our kids and in our kids' mothers' lives and, you know, uh, friends and family around them. So so that's a, a long way of answering your, your question. The, the elephant in the living room of child development is the missing stories of men's emotional lives and men sort of raising the, the verbal bar so that boys are not raised to be in such a with such a limited definition of how they can be in the world because they're, they're suffering from it even still today. And we also want girls to be raised with the idea that, you know, the men in their lives, you know, are, should be available emotionally. They should be uh, able to be strong and sensitive. It's, it's really imperative. Yeah. That seems like two really strong, um, 
suggestions for fathers today. More play, more fun, and also more storytelling. Um, more, because right. I think kids are interested in hearing the lives of their parents. Oh. I mean, my father's gone now. Uh, I recently lost my mother. I'm, I frequently think of things, oh, I wish I'd asked them, or I wish I'd heard that story. Um, right, or, or I wish I'd known what they did, what they, how they handled this situation at exactly. when they were my age, which is what kids want all the time. When I, and I meet with kids a lot when I go to schools, and I'll ask them, what questions do you have for your father that you have never asked? And they will all the time, no matter where I am, you know, uh, across demographics, uh, socioeconomically, racially, um, just, just across all the, there are, there are two questions that come up all the time from kids, younger kids. And those are, um, uh, what was his relationship like with his dad or his parents? And then the second one is what was he like at my age? And that to me is that points to that, the sort of missing stories, like kids want to know what you were like. They don't want to hear just the regular sort of stories they've heard about dads, you know, dad's silly stories they've heard a hundred times that, you know, in, the, in, in my book, I have a list of sort of prompts at, you know, what was, what embarrassed you at, you know, your kid's age. And there's a bunch of ways to access those, those stories in your life, because those are important for, for kids to, um, to hear and play. I would say intentional plays is, is important. You also have obviously just free and, you know, not everything has to be intentional, but keeping an eye on, on how important you are in that, in that, um, play sort of back and forth is important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we like to close our podcast by asking every guest this question. And, uh, we leave our listeners with a lot of food for thought. It's a big question. And, uh, I, I think probably you've hinted at it already in some of your answers, but it highlights everything we do is centered around our core belief that children are the world's most important people. If we as a society really embrace that idea, what is something we might do differently to support men who want to be more active, engaged fathers to their children? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think what we would do as a society um, and I, I should put a lot of the onus on us as men, frankly, um, is we would really recognize and, and educate boys and girls about the importance of being there for another person, of being, being a, a person for others. And the, the way that translates to fatherhood today is as a society, we would really uh, have some broader policies around paternal uh, paternity leave. Well, and also maternity leave. We, we're one of the only uh, countries in the industrial industrialized world that doesn't have, um, we, we have a, we do have paid leave for, uh, for moms and for, for some companies have, have specific paternity um, policies, but there's there's nothing that's that's universal and nowhere near as generous as as most countries, and and just not realistic for raising kids today. So I think we would we would look at leave policies for men and women, but particularly paternity leave um, needs to be both offered and taken. And the reasons often not taken goes back to this idea of manhood and and the the sort of limited beliefs that men have about what's going to happen to them if they if they get off their career track, the reality is 
you know, women have come a, a tremendous distance down the road that leads from home to work, right? They've, women have, have organized a movement for girls and that, you know, by no means is everything solved. There are still, you know, terrible rates of violence against women, you know, pay gaps and all kinds of problems. And with that said, girls today grow up with the sense of they can be, uh, you know, they can have a career, they can, you know, reach their, their goals um, in, in the world of work, and they can be mothers, they can be sensitive and nurturing, and they can be strong, and, you know, have a, a powerful voice, they can cross sort of both uh, uh, into both areas of, of, you know, these traits that are male and female. And whereas boys today, we, we haven't quite done that as men, really given them a sense that they can be strong and they can be sensitive. And I think if we were to really focus on getting, you know, the role of dads as caretakers and how important that is to masculinity and how important that is to society, then we would, we would look at paternity leave. We would, um, we would start educating men earlier uh, about fatherhood, specifically in healthcare. At MGH, we were working with the obstetrics department to create an, uh, a visit, a prenatal visit specifically designed for dads. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and we did a study in the obstetrics department where we asked dads that walked in and we got 900 dads over the course of four weeks uh, to respond to a pretty substantial 15-minute survey about their experience um, prenatally. And the long and the short of it is that dads really want to be, they want knowledge, they want to understand what their role is. They want um, to figure, they want to know how they can help the mom. They want to know what they, you know, what they mean to their kid. They, they want information is what the, the, one of the big takeaways from the study uh, told us. And the fact that 900 guys did it in, in such a short time says that, that that's a story that hasn't been told. So engaging dads as a, as a society, engaging dads early on, and their role is not just as a helper, but as an integral part of this child's healthy development. Um, and I think we would also stress the importance of, of relationships and, and how important the dad's relationship is with the dad's relationship with the, with the mother or with the other parent, whether they're together or not, is absolutely most important and just critical that we as, as men learn to be, um, to be focused on the importance of our relationships, the quality of our relationships. And all of that at a societal level, you know, comes from uh, its education, it's, it's reinforcing the message that we matter to our kids, we matter, uh, we matter to, to, to society, we matter to how things go with our children. And, and that is really important that uh, some of these skills are taught early, early on. And, you know, we did a program in a high school where we talked about the father you will become. And the, the idea is that some 80% of boys today will become biological dads. I would argue the other 20% will be some form of mentor or you know, father figure. So we asked the question in high school, you know, about fatherhood, what kind of dad you want to be. And we did it with boys and mixed gender groups. And it was fascinating that nobody had ever talked about that. 
you know, in health class, they talk about pregnancy and, and, you know, preventing pregnancy and so much of the emphasis on the girls, just, just to ask the question, what's it mean to be a man? What's it mean to be a father at an early age really brought out some powerful stories. And I think kids, as you know, you and highlights does so well, kids' voices need to be heard. If we want to, if we want to know what fathers, what we need to change in society for around fatherhood, you know, read more of those letters and have dads read more of those letters because it's critical. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for that. That was wonderful. Thanks for your time. You've given parents uh, a lot of information that I think is really going to be useful. And uh, happy Father's Day. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and Father's Day, as you know, is coming up. I work uh, with an organization called Fathering Together, fatheringtogether.org. And we have a campaign this year, which I think is really kind of cool and kind of interesting. Um, and it's uh, more than a necktie. The, the idea that dads really, we want to focus on how, you know, dads can, what dads bring from work into the home. In other words, having dads focus on, um, you know, what their, what their skills are at home, what skills transfer. And so the campaign is, is uh, called More Than a Necktie. And we, um, I encourage people to check it out on fatheringtogether.org. It's a really, uh, we've got some great panelists talking about all of the issues that we've talked about today. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That sounds wonderful. More Than a Necktie. Thanks again, John. Great. Thank you, Christine. It's been a pleasure. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more grown-ups who care about kids. And if you'd like to send a comment or suggestion to me directly, please email me at christine at highlights.com.